everyone. Welcome back to another episode of Daryl's Daring Thoughts. Thanks for tuning in. Glad to have you with me. I have a special guest um, with, with me today, and his name is Anthony. Um, I will give you, just real quick before I introduce Anthony, I actually had another guest who was going to cover this topic. Um, I've known her my entire life, um, and she ended up becoming ill and she was gracious enough to go ahead and find someone to fill her place before even telling me that she fell ill. So just so creative people see, that's how you work with this stuff. You know, you find you find um, outlets, you find resources um, for people. So I have Anthony on, who is um, a guest of mine. And um, Anthony, thank you so much for joining me. Um, I'm brought I wanted this um tell everybody about the topic is before I just introduce you. So we all know what's going on with uh, COVID-19 and how it is just you know creating all chaos um in this oh, yeah. world, not just um here. And Anthony is I'll correct me if I'm wrong, you're a nurse, correct? Or Correct. Yes, you're yes, a nurse. I just yes, want to make sure. Yes. Okay, I just want to make sure I got your title right. Um, so Anthony is a registered nurse um, actually in New York who has had a lot of encounters with um, COVID-19. And so I really wanted him to come on to be a guest to uh, talk about this. Um, so Anthony, can you just give myself and my listeners a little background of of the work that you do specifically? Um, well, again, I thank you for this opportunity to come on and and also for my colleague Casey, who I work with um, in the past. That was a great opportunity. So I am a registered nurse. I've been a nurse for all, over 20 years. Um, currently, I work in home health care um, in a management role. Um, so as, in a snapshot, that's what I'm doing currently. I work in home health care, and I'm in a management role. And I'm working in a division of hospice. So that's where I'm working at currently. Okay, perfect, great. Um, so you've you've seen your share of many of um, illnesses and diseases and things of that nature since you have been a nurse for twenty years or so. Um, what I will, uh, what I do want to ask you is with this with this virus, uh, with the COVID nineteen. One thing that a lot of people were speculating um, is that. It's been around way before the. Um, it's been over here way before we were notified about it. Um, I personally have friends and family that were saying that they had these symptoms and certain um, behaviors contributing to an illness, like in November or December of 2019, and the doctors really didn't know what it was. And everybody kept saying it was the flu and just a really bad flu going around. I myself believe I had it earlier this year. Um, and so what are your thoughts on that? Or do, and did you, is there something that you can say you saw or you kind of believe is true as well? Um, well, definitely I do agree that it was present before our country or before the U.S. started to ramp up things. Um, so definitely late 2019, it was present in China, but who knows when it first entered the United States way before uh, we started to ramp up things in the country. One thing that brought my attention to it is the hospital that I was working at here in New York at that time. 
have sent out a communication about the coronavirus in China and alerted us that we needed to modify our screening of patients when they came into the clinic just to make sure that they didn't have any overseas travel and things like that. And that was around in December or January. So we were alerted to that and different precautions that we needed to take even before March. Um, so it was out there. People were aware of it. And yes, um, I didn't encounter, at least at that time, any individuals per se that had the symptoms. Um, but definitely I know that there were individuals that probably came in the country or it was already here. Um, and it impacted um, healthcare and things like that. So I know it was here. We just can't pinpoint when exactly. Exactly. Okay. Um, since you have been in the medical field for over 20 years and have basically, you know, seen well, a nurse for over t- for 20 years, um, that is a particular profession um, that, you know, it's, it takes a lot of schooling, a lot of education, and a lot of wanting to help people. Um, so what are your greatest... Um, greatest moments about being um, a nurse or in the medical field? I can definitely say, well, definitely inspiration came from my grandmother who was a nurse. So that was the start of my inspiration and wanting to go into nursing. Um, Definitely the patients are another point of inspiration for me, either them telling me their story of how me just being there with them helped to console them or patients that come back after chemotherapy treatment and they're in remission and they're doing well, et cetera. So being able to be there for those patients in those moments of sorrow and difficulty and then seeing them come out on the other side um, better than they were before. So that's definitely a source of inspiration for me. Um, So it's been good and it has been bad in the sense that sometimes you can get burnt out with all of that. Mm -hmm. And you just need to be able to either regroup from doing self-care and things like that, or even going into other areas of nursing. There's so many things that you can do do in nursing um, with not just taking care of patients. If you want to teach and things like that, to give you a break from certain areas that may be um, labor-intensive from an emotional and physical standpoint so there's a lot of things that you can do in nursing that can give you that break if you need it um, at any point in your career so that's a plus and something that I really like about the profession of nursing okay great um so when you got that whole email and um um thing um about the different screening procedures and things going forward due to this you know virus what were some of the changes that you, your um, hospital or some of the things, the changes that were made initially to start those different, um, those different um, guidelines um, with screening individuals? Like what were some of the things that you guys started changing like early on before I'm sure the rest of those guidelines started to get a little bit more, um, Nation, when, when the virus started to get more nationwide notice and then different things mm-hmm. started coming and it started getting a little bit more intense, what were some of the first things that you guys started doing in your hospital? Um, definitely going to the staff and educating them and letting them know 
that the screening questions were modified, so be aware of that. And anyone that has any symptoms, cough, fever, et cetera, we're making sure that um, they alert a physician, um, one of the leaders in the organization, so that that person can be appropriately isolated and treated. Um, but then also one thing that we, the leaders, were um, charged to do is make an inventory of the supplies that we had, N95 masks, gowns, gloves, et cetera, just to say, okay, well, what do we have now? So then the organization at that time was working towards checking what we had so that we can then ramp up to get more gowns, gloves, N95 masks. So that was one thing that was done is getting an account of how many um, PPE, personal protective equipment that we had in place so that we can know, okay, if we need to ramp it up based on whatever changes go down, um, let's know what we have on hand so that we can make those increase the supplies. Okay. So you, you, you had more of a direct um, insight on things that were going on probably before the rest of the world um, took it, uh, started taking it more um, seriously. So did you have to really, did you have any moments like with friends or family members where you were trying to say, Hey, you know, maybe you should start doing this um, or maybe you should wash your hands more or, you know, like do wear a mask. Like were there any moments when you had with, you know, personal family members or friends where you had to, that you were trying to be insightful and they just really weren't getting it. But because you saw it firsthand, you know, what the possibilities, um, what, what, what was going to happen or what could happen that you were trying to just educate people and you just saw that they really wasn't, receiving what you were saying? I wouldn't say initially when I reached out to family members and friends just to let them know, because at the end of the day, what we were doing is hand hygiene, either washing your hands, using hand sanitizer, something that obviously most of us have been doing already. The use of masks is masks. Um, it's something that we added on to that. So my whole goal in communicating with my family and friends is just to make them aware of these are things that we may have to do differently. Um, so making sure you're washing your hands, making sure um, when you're going into crowds, uh, wearing a mask. So I didn't really get any resistance, per se. Okay. Um, I, had, I had observed um, just general public individuals who appear to be resistant because I've seen many people um, once they initiated wearing masks, wearing masks, but not having the mask on properly. Mm-hmm. Um, so that's a situation sometimes. My whole goal is they at least have the mask. We just have to do the education piece in regards to how to do it properly so that you are protected. So I didn't have any resistance per se. Um, and we may get to a question later where people were suspect of where the virus came from. That was probably the point of more discussion than individuals saying, okay, I need to wash my hands, wear okay. a mask, um, and things like that. Well, since you're on this topic, something something is really bugging me about this whole mask situation. So can you just set the record oh, yeah. straight? Is it, Why are people driving in their cars with their windows up wearing a mask? Is that, is that something... I just need a, a, a professional person in the medical field to just educate me and other people on why and is that appropriate or is that needed? 
where there's no evidence per se to say that, okay, if I'm in my car and my windows are up and I do or I do or do not, I do not have the mask on, am I going to get the virus? But just think about it. That the air, say if you have your air on, whatever, the air that's circulating on the outside can still get in your car. So again, I said this is not evidence, this is just my perspective and my opinion, is that who knows, the virus is so small and the virus is active in so many different ways that we don't truly understand. Who says it cannot get into your car when you do that? So that's that person's own decision-making process to say, okay, I'm going to keep my mask on and make sure that it's in place, et cetera. So you probably will not have a problem with not having your mask on if you're in your car and your windows are up in most cases. Um, but there's no evidence to say that you wouldn't be okay uh, either way. So okay. I just leave it up to that individual. But definitely if the individual then puts their windows down or they get out the car, that's a no-brainer there that you need to make sure you have the mask on. But there's really no evidence to say, okay, if I have my windows up and I don't have my mask on, am I still at risk for getting the virus? So that's that person's decision. Okay, if I want to keep my mask on, good for you. If you want to take it off, okay. But when you get out of the car, you put the windows down make sure that you um, put that mask on because then you're exposing your, you're really exposing yourself when you get out the car and you put the windows down because then there's less of a barrier protecting you from any of the virus that may be circulating in the, in the environment. Oh, wow. Well, let me publicly apologize to people because oh, you're fine. Oh, I, I just thought well, that's, it was, just your, that's just your opinion. I just thought yeah, it was the stupidest opinion. thing I've yeah, ever yeah. saw in the world. So I owe <laughs> all my listenership and future listenerships, I owe y'all some apology because I, on my way over here, I was just looking at someone like, why? But now, you know, a medical expert has well, told I've seen, us. I've seen, it, I've seen it both ways. Right. I've seen it both ways. So if that person feels they're safer with the mask on while they're driving, do what you got to do. And sometimes you just need a break from the mask. So if you're in an environment, in your car, windows are up, et cetera, um, you're in your home, et cetera, take the mask off because you need a break from it from time to time because Absolutely. it's not something that we're used to wearing. So yeah, just be very careful when you take that break. Yeah. Just be careful when you take that, take that break. Just don't get lax with it. But when you're at home, things like that, you don't need to wear, um, wear the it's, mask. It's hard sometimes. And I will say today it's very hot here. Um, and it was really hard. Like I walked into a store I walked into a gas station and the lady's like, sir, your mask. I was like, oh my goodness. Like, I forgot. Like, I honestly forgot because we we equate the heat and warm weather to, oh, it's nice. It's time to get out the house. And I'm like, oh, I forgot why we were in the house to begin with for a second. And so it's just the habit that's, it's hard to pick up, especially if you already are homebound. Like, I work from home. So I don't, I literally probably leave the house once a week and mm-hmm. maybe twice a week. So I don't think to wear a mask because I don't go outside every day. So it's, yeah. I feel like it's just, it's a habit that we are going to probably have to get used to for now going forward for a very long time. Even if a vaccine comes, I think people are still going to be walking around with masks just out of, fear and it's just really hard to get into but um let's just keep going so when was the moment that you knew that this was like whoa this is this is serious um obviously it started in china and then when we start to see it which all infectious diseases usually do it starts to 
spread because individuals migrate from this area to that area, then it spreads and it gets further. So seeing that it was spreading wasn't, from my perspective as a healthcare professional, wasn't alarming because that's just the nature of what happened. Um, what was the alarming piece to me is the number of deaths in the various um, regions throughout the nation um, where you saw a lot of people die. Um, one thing that many people also have put into or on the table of discussion is that, okay, during flu season, you have all these people die. But this is something new. Flu season comes up every year, and you get a vaccine or you don't get a vaccine. But there are thousands upon thousands of people who die every year from flu and other diseases that is really not put in our face. But in this situation, it was something that was new, and was it was put in our face the number of people who contracted the virus. And then what was compounded on that was the number of people who were dying. And it wasn't just hundreds, it was thousands of yes. people um, that were dying. And then obviously once it got to the United States of America, where individuals probably thought, well, it's not going to get to us. And if it gets to us, it's going to come and it's going to infect a few people and then it's going to be gone. But then looking at the beyond severe impact that it had in the United States. So that's the piece that was the turning point for me mm -hmm. was the individuals that were dying and it just wasn't older individuals because you think, okay, it's just going to be individuals who are older and they have other diseases such as hypertension and diabetes. But then when it started to affect younger individuals in their 20s and even younger than that, that's when the whole thing, the whole game changed because no, it's just not older people. It's just not individuals with other diseases. Everybody has a risk to um, contract the disease. That's when it was a turning point for me to death and then the broad spectrum of individuals that it was um, affecting. Okay, that makes sense. I, I, it felt like a, it felt like I was watching a movie. I mean, there are movies, you know, yeah. like this. Conta and contagion, con contagion, that contagion. Movie, yeah. <laughs> oh yeah, I saw that, that one. Movie yes, yes, is yeah. dead on. Contagion is a dead on of how this this thing. But it's like I was, it was like watching the movies. Like you first heard the reports in Washington State. Washington's the first state to get it, and it just seemed like it just started. Mm -hmm trickling to every state and i'm thinking in my head now i know all these damn people ain't traveled to china and all like <laughs> like and tr like really it got everywhere just like the fact that the fact of how it spread it spread everywhere was what really mm -hmm. alarmed me because i honestly thought it was going to be probably some states more states not have it than that did have it um that's just how i initially thought it was going to happen because how things travel but i just was naive to think that but it was just amazing to see how it traveled so far i mean so fast everywhere oh, yeah. and mm -hmm. then the italy the death toll over there was just like i was just I, i'm like wait a minute what is going on like thousands of people dying a day like it was just very it was it was very um the walking dead sounding like it was just oh yeah it was very like what is going on and then i'm you know new york got hit really bad i was just like what like oh yeah it was, when, it was crazy i truly think crazy. that I, I started taking it serious serious when the nba shut down i think that was like a turning point for me when the nba canceled the rest of the season i was like oh, oh yeah um yeah something is really going on and exactly yes yeah, so i think everybody had something particularly happened in the moment that made them personally 
take it more uh, take it seriously and you know especially if you're not on the front lines of it you know you we see it through different lenses um but yeah that's very interesting now do you think um okay so where you are now what is the current state of how things are um, in New York I feel like um, I saw like New York is slowly trying to open back up and you know do mm-hmm. some things there but you know I live um, in Illinois and we started opening up literally on on May 29th not Chicago but other mm-hmm. um suburbs and surrounding areas in Illinois but not the city are like doing some slight openings on May 29th with you know like barbershops and gyms I don't think gyms no I don't think gyms but I know like barbershops salons and clothing stores and different places are opening back up for us on May 29th and like restaurants that have outside eating are opening up and curbside um, is still going to be going on but that's where our target for our things our phase three or phase four in our governor's plan what's really uh can you tell us what's going on over there for you guys um well we're still at least here in new york we're new york state in new york city and it won't be until june the 13th okay well it will be reconsidered about non-essential services etc such as like down the street from me there Marshalls and Bed Bath and Beyond and stores like that, those won't be open. Um, restaurants are the only thing that they can do is take out and curbside, so you can't come in, you can't sit down, so no large crowds in any form. Um, so basically, what has been open and is still open are grocery stores, pharmacies, and things like that. Most of the other stores, other venues etc are closed and they will be closed at least until um june the 13th but then as you stated it will things will start to open up in phases um, but things have definitely definitely improved from two months ago um, the hospitalizations are down in comparison and then the number of um, patients that are in the icu um, is down so that's what the government is looking at on a daily basis to say, okay, where are we at? Because then that actually is going to guide how fast things open is hospitalizations and then also um, the number of patients that are in ICU beds. So that's the focus right now is looking at the data to see how that speaks to how things need to reopen because it may be slower, it may Mm -hmm. be fast, whatever is going on. But things are much better and people are antsy. I'm antsy. Uh, We just want this to be over. Well, we definitely have to be careful and be smart in in what we do. And you were talking about masks earlier. I'm wearing my mask for a long time. I don't know when I'm going to stop, but that's right. just me, um, just to protect myself. So the same precautions that I've been using for a long time, I will continue to use masks. Hand sanitizer will be with me, all those things, just to make sure. Because you never know. We don't really know yeah. down the line what's going to happen. Do you think the response um, of the virus was do you think the response um, how America responded to the virus um, could have been better? Yes. Um, 
we were very hesitant, and I'm going to say we, and I won't say the federal government. I'm not going to point the finger to any particular person because it's more than one person. Um, the government could have moved faster because we knew about this long before March when the United States started to really ramp up what we were doing. Um, so we could have made sure that we had enough supplies and items in the um, strategic national stockpile. Uh, we could have started putting guidelines and stuff in place. In my opinion, this could have been done started in January so that things could have been ramped up in February to make sure we had enough supplies and then having the expanded hospital, field hospitals and parks and things like that that many cities, major cities have done to expand their hospital capacity. So a lot of these things were done rush, rush, rush in March. But we could have been prepared in January, February, in my opinion, where we would not have experienced as many deaths. Um, the death toll probably would have been very, very high as it is. But I think some, some of the lives could have been saved if we would have acted sooner. Because it's not like it started in January, February. It started in late 2019. So there are things that we could have done as a country to prepare. And we couldn't do everything, but there are certain mm -hmm. things that we could have done in making sure that we had the appropriate supplies for nurses, doctors, healthcare professionals, um, and having guidances in place. So, okay, say, when it hits, this is what we're going to do. We already have a plan in place, so we're not trying to run around and put things in place right. once it really comes. Because when it comes, you can't you can't really do anything. You're behind the eight ball at that point. Yeah, I really was... I really was not happy with the response, um, particularly how people were responding to nurses and doctors, because I have I have a lot of friends who are nurses or I have a lot of people who are in the healthcare field and are on the front lines um, in, 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 in um, various capacities. Um, I'm in the healthcare field. Um, so I did not like like certain things when people would say, well, you know, nurses um, are you know, you know, this, that's, that's what they signed up for, or this is their job, you know, this is what they're supposed to do. And it's like, and I got really upset when I saw that, because on the another, on the other side, you saw nurses wearing like garbage bags to, 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 for protective gear, or wearing one, they'll wear one mask all day, because they didn't have um, any other mask. And then they have, you know, the spots on their face for having that particular mask on all day. And you know, people will compare them to people in the military, and it's like, wait a minute, you don't send you don't send people in the army in Afghanistan without vests and guns and exactly. you know things like mm -hmm. that. You protect them. Policemen are protected when they're going to work and going on the field. So why are we expecting our nurses to not have protection? Do you think that the nurses and I'm just talking about nurses for now because I have a nurse on the line. Do you think nurses or people in the front line were not protected well? I could say yes to that question. Uh, many of the healthcare organizations were not prepared as they should have been. Um, hospitals and other organizations, they had N95 masks, they had gloves, they had gowns, they had face shields. They didn't have enough to meet the demand based on the number of patients that were coming in. Mm -hmm. Um so that was the biggest piece is that now we we have this large volume of patients that are coming in and we are going through these masks, gowns, gloves, and face shields 
10, 20 in an hour based on the number of people that are coming through. So they're burning through their supplies. So we're in a situation where we're not ready. What can we do to preserve? So many organizations were, as you heard on the news, um, having nurses use the same um, N95 mask, surgical mask, or whatever mask that they were using based on what the hospital they had available, based on the supplies that they had to provide to the nurses, which, yes, honestly, is not right. The hospitals had to do the best that they could. Hopefully, with this experience, many hospitals will say, okay, now we need to make sure that we have our own stockpile of gloves, gowns, masks, face shields, et cetera. So when this happens again, we have a sufficient amount of supplies to at least make the initial response to it. So many hospitals just were not ready with the number of supplies that they need for the demand um, that was put on hospitals. So in that sense, which is a sad state, is that the supplies were not there to adequately protect nurses, doctors, and all the healthcare professionals um, that were caring for patients um, in the hospital, mm-hmm. um, in other environments, home care, et cetera. So it was just a thing that the whole country, all entities were not prepared. So this was just an effect of not being prepared, and individuals, healthcare professionals, um, et cetera, were negatively impacted by it because we just didn't have the supplies to meet the demand. The right. organizations were doing the best they could to preserve what they had until they were able to get more supplies through donations, et cetera. Because, again, the country wasn't prepared. So the country couldn't even help initially because the country didn't have what it needed to um, support local, local and state government. But that's what that's what another thing that bothers me. You know, we are supposed to be the greatest country in the land. And it seems like every single time we have something happen here in America we are never prepared for it. And then for the longest, it's the blame game. You know, everyone is just pointing the finger at, you know, it was the Obama administration. It was Trump firing people and then this and this and us not taking it seriously or this and this and this. But at the end of the day, while everyone's playing the blame game, thousands of people are dying. And it seems like we go yeah. through that every time there's something that happens in this country. And, I'm, you know, and I just don't get it. I, I just truly don't get it. We are so quick to go and fight in other countries and help them get their stuff right and take care of them and do all that. But here at home, it's not, we don't, it seems like we don't have the same energy or um, for here. You know, it's always becomes either political or it comes about money. Mm-hmm. And. I have that that just truly bothers me, especially with this this pandemic, because I feel like it's something that we could have avoided or not 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 avoided. Like we it would have came here, but we could have had we could have been better prepared for how we handled it. Yeah, I agree. I agree. Okay, um, have you has anyone close to you um, been impacted by the virus? I mean, did you did you get it um or do you know anyone close to you that had it um like did you have any personal connections to anyone who had the virus um staff so there have been uh, several staff who have passed um i've had some friends who have um contracted the virus um, but they're doing better 
Okay. And then obviously um, we've experienced patients who have passed. So it has impacted um, me in various ways, be it directly or indirectly through friends or um, co-workers mm-hmm. who have been out because it has caused, in, in healthcare, it has caused a staffing nightmare because then you have staff who are out because they're sick. Um, and even though you have nurses and other um, healthcare professionals coming from different parts of the country supporting New York and Chicago and other cities, um, it can be a staffing nightmare because then you don't have an adequate enough staff support right. to care for um, to care for the patient. So it creates chaos. Well, as you know, it has created chaos on multiple levels mm-hmm. in regards to the emotional piece of having to deal with someone having the virus and then someone possibly dying or dying. Um, and then obviously dealing with the reality of people staff getting sick and needing to be out, but then you still need to care for those patients that come in your facility right. day in and day out. It seems as though this is this will be an emotional nightmare for someone who has to deal with this and you know, um mentally just exhausting. Um, for someone, I mean, I had, I had two, I had three, I had three coworkers that passed away from it and it was very, and my, my company tried to not tell us, well, they didn't tell us. Mm -hmm. Um, I had to hear about it on the news. I'm like, wait, I work with them. Like what? Wow. Yeah. Yeah. They told, like they will send an email basically saying, you know, such and such passed away. We, we know, sorry for, you know, condolences and things like that. I'm like, wait a minute. How did this person pass away? I just saw them like two weeks ago before we started working remotely and their families went to the media. And that's how I ended up Mm. finding out that that's how they passed away. And I, I'm not at a hospital, so my facility is small to where everyone knows each other. So it was very, like, what? And it kind of messed with me a little mentally, um, where I just really had to talk to my therapist and was like, this is just... Oh, yeah. It's like you don't have time to really grieve the loss of a person because you have to keep working and And it's happening so so fast like there is no grieving process and for people with this so has has this affected you mentally at all it has in many ways obviously having to manage the emotions related to individuals dying um, be it co-workers i haven't had any family members or friends that passed, but I've had several who have uh, contracted the virus. Um, and then you deal with the whole piece of depression. Cause I can definitely say I've been depressed because it changes your whole lifestyle. You can't go and enjoy things that you used to enjoy. Um, so definitely you spoke to a point uh, in regards to a therapist. I think everyone in some form or fashion, um, going to a therapist, talking to a friend or just getting it out of your system, the emotions that have been brought on with this whole pandemic it has to be talked out so we can't hold it within us obviously we're going to all go crazy if we don't right so it has to be some way for you to get it out of your system going to a therapist i'm talking to your friends making sure that you're focusing on self-care and taking care of yourself be it yoga meditation whatever helps you to recenter yourself etc but a lot of us if not all of us 
will need some type of support, therapist support, or just and just talking with friends, et cetera, just to get it out of our system because otherwise um, it's going to cause more mental health challenges if we don't get it out of our system or just talk about it at least. Right. Um, so then there's the part of the conspiracy theorists and, you know, how the media, I, I, I have a little mixed emotions about the media's involvement in this virus and, um, simply just because I, I think it's important to tell us the facts, but I do also think there's a, um, there's something with just giving too much information and I think that like areas of Facebook and all this stuff that's all you saw like I will say the month of May has been much better but I will say between March and April everything you saw was just about people dying deaths 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 this this person has it this person has it and it was just so much and then false reports or it was just so much. So do you think the media gave this virus a fair, um, a fair, what's the word I'm trying to say? Um, like fairly reported the yeah. whole situation. Do you think the media um, had any positive or negative impacts on how people interpreted the virus? Well, definitely, I agree because I had that conversation uh, with my mother, too, in regards to all you hear about are deaths. And she was saying that's all they're talking about, people that are dying and people that are getting disease. And it wasn't until, if I remember correctly, maybe April, where I know here in New York, and I'm not sure if other parts of the country did it, where hospitals and other organizations started to report the number of people who were being discharged from the hospital. But then it changes the whole narrative that, okay, Mm -hmm. yes, you have X amount of people dying, but then you also have wide number of people who are discharged from the hospital, they're doing better, et cetera. So initially, that's what it was. It was just death. It was just pure death. It just felt like when people first talked about it, because of all the deaths, because of the death conversation, if you if you were if you were tested positive for um, COVID nineteen, it's a death sentence. Like that's what mm-hmm. the that's how it was feeling um, to me when because of the death tolls that they were reporting, no one was reporting that. Okay, look, just because you have it doesn't mean you're going to die from it. And it seemed yeah. like a part of this disease. Um, a part of this virus had a lot to do with your positivity and your will to want to live and fight and not being able to have family in the room with you or no one to support you. Mm-hmm. I feel like that that plays that I truly feel like that plays a part with a person's will to want to live because they don't, they're not even surrounded by people to tell them to please fight and stay with me. Um, I had a friend who's um, I had a friend who's um relative got um, COVID-19 and I immediately was telling her make sure he stays positive make sure you keep him happy make sure you keep his spirits up yeah. he self-quarantined at home and she just made sure he you know took medications and did you know certain things certain treatments and things to help him and he went through everything he went through all the phases but he he, he doesn't have it now he feel he, he's he's a, a much better okay. but I truly feel like the support and fight 
was a factor to help him want to, you know, fight. And I think that a lot of people Mm -hmm. didn't have that. And I feel like that that really truly played a part in a lot of people um, dying. Yeah. And just to speak to that too, is that a lot of what coronavirus has revealed has been things that we've already dealt with. The new part is the virus and the way that it impacts people. But I, as a nurse, I always have had that perspective, and I've seen it time and time again with patients that have cancer diagnosis, diabetes, or whatever. It all goes into their mindset mm-hmm. and then how they care for themselves. Because if your mindset is positive and you're going to, you're doing everything that you need to do to beat it, staying healthy, interacting with your family and friends, et cetera, I've seen most of those patients do better than those individuals who've been they collapse because of the diagnosis or the disease mm-hmm. that they have. So the mindset is very important. That was even here before coronavirus, and it will be mm-hmm. here moving forward. Whatever diagnosis you get here in the future, et cetera, um, you definitely have to. The mind is the thing. The mind, so if, if, if it gets your mind, you're done. And I've seen that several, several times right. um, with patients where when it takes over their mind, and then as you stated, if they don't have the support system, because it may affect their mind, if they then have the support system of people who, who are going to encourage them and lift them up, then that's going to help them with their mindset. So first, that person's mindset, but then also you have to see, well, who's around them to support them. And then that's something that's different, as you stated, with this virus, is that many individuals were in, all of the individuals were in the hospital alone. They didn't have visitors unless it was through FaceTime and other technologies. They didn't really have anyone be there to support them other than the healthcare professionals that were in the room in and out with them. Um, so I think that's a big piece is that moving forward, we just have to make sure that we always maintain a positive mindset, take care of ourselves, number two, and then making sure that we have a support system because we're going to need that Okay. forever. Do you? Yeah. Th- yes, that is true. Do you think um, there was also this one thing um, conversation going around saying that a lot of the people that have died from um, the coronavirus did not really die from the coronavirus? Um, doc- doctors and people were just classifying deaths as deaths of coronavirus and things like that. Um, I don't know if, if you've heard that or. Because um, that's something I've been hearing a lot of the people who are not the non-believers or the people who don't think it's as bad as what it was. And people were saying, you know, these people didn't really die from the virus. They actually had something else. But they got um, it got written off as, you know, death um, by the, um, the virus. And I have my theories on that, um, but I wanted to know if you had any thoughts on that. I wouldn't doubt if that happened. I'm not going to say that it did not happen. Um, If an individual dies, obviously they have to identify, well, what's the reason for the patient's death? Um, If so many people were dying left and right, and it was overwhelming the system, overwhelming funeral homes, et cetera. So everything was just very chaotic. Mm-hmm. So I really can't say, honestly, that there weren't some cases where they really didn't dig deep to say, okay, was this coronavirus or was it diabetes or was it hypertension or was it X or another disease? So I can definitely say there probably were. I'm not sure of the number, but there probably were some individuals that 
had coronavirus documented on their death certificate. But if further investigation was done, it probably wasn't. But everything was just so overwhelming. So some individuals just maybe have taken the easy route and say, okay, based on some of the symptoms that they exhibited, let's say it was coronavirus. But do you think that, um, because my theory is, like, they did this back in the late 80s, early 90s. I feel like, like, when the AIDS um, pandemic happened, where there were a lot of people that died from that, but also had other issues, but they still go together, but they just, do you think that that could be the same thing as well? Because I feel like that, that is kind of like what happened when, you know, AIDS, um, when that when that when that came in like the late eighties, early I think it was the late eighties, early, early nineties, when people were just dying left and right from it and they were actually, you know, dying from pneumonia or this and this, but it was still triggered because they had, you know, uh AIDS HIV AIDS at the time. Do you think that's kind of that could be kind of the sim- a similar scenario? It could be because you're then looking at okay, we have this big diagnosis we have um AIDS um back then and then now we have coronavirus but then there are other smaller symptoms that the patient may have that may have actually caused that person to die um prime example uh, primarily i've worked in oncology in most cases or cancer so in most cases a patient that dies it may be the cancer but a lot of times it's because of an infection that overwhelmed their system so it's the infection that actually led to their death in mm-hmm. that respect. Mm-hmm. So I could definitely say if, if someone with AIDS back in the 80s and and 80s and 90s passed, they just easily put it on the table and say, okay, it was AIDS, even though the patient had pneumonia. But then the pneumonia is related to the AIDS. So unless you really dig deep and say, right. okay, it's missing not AIDS, but it's pneumonia. But who really knows because... Exactly. The pneumonia was a factor, but then AIDS at that time was the bigger piece that more than likely left led to that person's um, demise. But the only way in that respect with um, the AIDS example and then also with the coronavirus, the only way that you can truly identify the reason why that person died is by doing an autopsy mm-hmm. in most cases to really see what went on in their body, pathology, et cetera. And in most cases, so many people were dying so quickly, no one had really had time to do an autopsy. So right. they just went based on what they saw the patient experiencing, and many of those symptoms were connected to coronavirus, so then they just tagged it with coronavirus. With AIDS, most of those symptoms were related to mm-hmm. symptoms related to AIDS, so they just tagged it to that. So if they're not able to clearly identify which the definitive way to do that is doing an autopsy, look at what went on in their body that led to this, you can easily just tag it to what what was going on during that time, coronavirus, AIDS, et cetera. So I definitely agree that there may have been some cases um, because the system was just overwhelmed. So Mm -hmm. a lot of things were just done. We just did it to to the best of our ability. That's the best that we can do. And that's what was documented. And there was okay. one one patient, um, one family member of a patient that verbalized to one of the social workers that she did not want um, COVID-19 on her family member's death certificate um, because some people 
and I can um, agree with that. Some of, some of them see it as a um, a bad connotation that goes along with COVID nineteen um, or things like that. So certain individuals did not want anything to do with it. Some family members um, when they came to that point where a family member died, um, and then there's some instances where it made it on the death certificate because that person that pronounced them. Um, and did the investigation identify that, okay, yes, it was coronavirus based on the symptoms that they were exhibiting. So either you do an autopsy oh, wow. or you go on what was going on with that patient at that time right. that probably was the cause of that person's death. Right. Okay. I have a couple more questions uh, for you. Um, mm-hmm. What What were your thoughts of how this um, virus impacted communities of color? The crazy thing is, is that before coronavirus, um, hypertension, diabetes, various diagnoses before coronavirus came about have been, have disproportionately affected communities of color, Mm -hmm. blacks, Hispanics, et cetera. So I've seen this. Um, posted on many social media platforms is that it just highlighted the fact that those disparities still exist, even with all of the work that different organizations, the federal government have put into providing preventive measures and other support uh, measures to reduce the gap that we see in health between communities of colors and other communities. Um, so it just sheds a light on the fact that obviously the work that we've done has, there's much, 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 much work that we have to do to make sure that communities of color um, are protected. Mm-hmm. Coronavirus, hypertension, diabetes, et cetera. Um, so yes, those communities are more vulnerable because of various factors, the environment that they live in, um, access to certain resources and food. So those types of things put those communities at at risk for hypertension, diabetes, in this case, coronavirus, um, because of several factors. They don't um, some individuals do not have access to get certain medications, et cetera, because they're trying to get X, Y, and Z for their children. So I can't get this, that, and the third to help and support my family doing, um, during coronavirus. Right. So it's just showing that the same disparities that exist with other diseases, the same thing happens with coronavirus. So So coronavirus in your mind is just, it just, it just put a light bulb over a situation that was already going on. Correct. Yeah. So yeah, it's just, it's just highlighting the fact that this problem still exists. And my only hope is that, as a country and as a world that we do things differently on the other end of this, where Mm -hmm. we can start to reduce that gap and, and the health disparities. So that's my only hope at this point, because we've, as you say, the coronavirus has highlighted something that already exists, has already existed. So what our work is, is that we have to remove the gap that currently exists with health between communities of colors and other communities. Right. Um, so my last question for you is, it's kind of a dual question. Um, we've been hearing about, you know, the virus is going to come back in the fall and 
be, you know, worse, possibly worse or, you know, whatever that is. Um, And so my question for you is, A, do you believe that, you know, this virus is, you know, here to stay until we actually, you know, get a vaccine or something that can help us because the virus itself is not going away. It's going to be like embedded in our, you know, treatments of like the flu shot um you know and kids go and get different antibiotic you know antibodies and different things before they can go to school do you think like the um the coronavirus is like now just embedded in our life now and if and i guess the way you answer that do you think that this um this is our new normal like will things ever be where they were you know like broadway theater like will people ever be ever comfortable again with being in crowds or trusting people shaking hands or anything do you think that now things have changed forever as well yes i believe that it's going to be a new normal um we definitely have to continue to wear masks and i don't know how long the mask um, situation is going to be um, hand sanitizer. I do believe at some point, I just don't know when Broadway and other venues will open back up um, sports events, NFL, NBA, etc. At some point, again, I just don't know when that's going to happen because it's too early in the game to say because if we have an NFL game, um, Preseason starts in August, et cetera. If you start having all that going on, et cetera, who knows what may happen? Um, so it's definitely created a new normal, um, a different level of anxiety and fear that individuals are going to have a question, or is it going to come back? When is it going to come back? And when you look at just history uh, with the Spanish flu, other disease, other viruses, the things that have come along the way, you look at the trend is that there's a possibility that it could come back. Um, and then there's a possibility that, hey, this is the end of it. But one thing that you mentioned, I heard it mentioned on the news that the second wave will be worse than this wave. And in my mind, just in my mind, just thinking, just taking off my cap as a healthcare professional, I said, how in the world can it get worse than it has already been? Right. Um, but some individuals have stated that, okay, yes, the second wave will come and it may get worse. Who, who really knows? The biggest thing that we can do on an individual basis as a country and as a world is making sure that we have the certain, we have mechanisms in place to promote safety in various environments, in restaurants, in the airport, um, be it hand sanitizers, masks, people wearing masks. Um, Social distancing. Yes, we'll go back to shaking. We'll go back to shaking hands and doing all the other stuff. I'm shaking nobody's hands. I'm telling you that. No, but then, but then. Yeah, I'll, I'll shake somebody's hand, but after I shake your hand, I'm going gonna, I'm gonna to turn to the side and I'm going to use my hand sanitizer. <laughs> so my, 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 my thing is, is that it's going to be a new normal and we all have to be patient with each other because everyone is going to be on different levels in regards to their readiness to continue those safety measures. So some people are out there that's totally rogue. They're not wearing masks, all these other things. And then you have individuals who are just Want to do it to the nth degree, which is important. Wearing masks, hand sanitizers, they have to get up and everything going outside, whatever the case may be. But it will be a new normal yet, and we just have to continue to use the standard precaution measures that we've been using since 
all of this started. Gloves, not gloves. Gloves if you want to. I have my own opinion about gloves, but definitely what you need are masks and then the hand sanitizer to maintain the protection and reduce the spread. The whole goal is to reduce the spread of the virus. If it's November of this year, we still should have in our mind, what can I do as an individual to reduce the spread of the virus? If you're sick, stay at home. Don't be going out, doing this, that, and the third, and then spreading it. I'm, so I'm we serious. have to be more mindful of those things, yeah. Y'all hear that? Stay your ass at home if you're sick. Go yeah, stay if you're home. Sick, just, just stay home. Just stay at home because you come coughing and whatever. You, you're going to say, oh, I'm fine, I'm fine. I don't know if you're fine, and you don't know if you're fine. So just stay at home. Exactly. Get yourself together. <laughs> and then, because you don't, at this point, you don't know. Somebody, in November, December, somebody come coughing and hacking and all this other stuff. People are going to start looking at them and say, well, what's going on with you? A cough so has a we different meaning now. Use, oh, yeah, yeah. You, we just have to use our own common sense. Uh, whatever level of common sense that you have, use your common sense. If you're sick, stay home. Protect yourself and protect others. Um, and then when you go out in public, wearing your mask, and some people will continue to have their mask on for a while. Some people will start taking it off. Um, but that will be based on guidance from the government and things like that. But we just have to get adjusted to the new normal and continue those practices just to reduce the spread of the virus. Anthony, I want to appreciate, I truly appreciate you for coming on and um, giving educating me and my listeners on COVID-19. Thank you for all that you're doing, um, being on the front lines and protecting us. Um, I truly appreciate um, your service um, and everyone out there. And I thank you again and stay safe. But we want to yes, thank and, you. And thank you so much for coming on. Thank I really you so much. It. it was my pleasure. And I want to also dedicate um, a shout out to all of those who are on the front lines direct care of patients, um, nurses, doctors, etc. all of them, because we're all at different levels in the care that we provide and leadership, taking care of the patients, etc. So everyone has been doing um, a great job in making sure that we're all safe. So I appreciate, um, appreciate you for this opportunity. And it's all going to, it's all going to work out. It's all going to work out. We just have to use our common sense and stay safe. Absolutely. I totally agree with you. Thank you so much, Anthony. Thank you guys so much for listening. And I'll hear you, I'll talk to you guys next time. To follow me on social media, you can go to Instagram. I'm very active on Instagram. Um, it's Cordero underscore Santiago. Follow me on Instagram to just stay in touch with everything I'll talk about. I'll update you on um, the upcoming episodes and things to look forward to. I'm so excited that I have an email address now for you guys to send me requests for topics, any questions you have regarding a topic that I've already discussed, or if you just want to vent about something that's going on in your life that you want me to talk about on an episode, I have an email address for you to do all of those things. The email is darrowdaresyou at gmail.com. So I'll spell that for you. Darrow, D-A-R-O-D-A-R-E-S-U. Darrow dares you at gmail.com. Send me an email.